0: And now for our prayer of illumination, source of life, pour out your spirit upon us to bring good news to the oppressed and let your words be fulfilled among us through Christ Jesus, our savior. Amen. Our first reading is from Psalm chapter 118 verses 19 through 29. Open for me the gates of righteousness that I may enter them and give thanks to the living God. This is the gate to the holy presence. The righteousness shall enter through it. I thank you that you have answered me and you have become my salvation. The stone that the the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This is our God's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the font of creation has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Holy One, help save us. Holy One, haste, deliver us. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Most High God. We bless you from the house of the Holy One. The the faithful one is God, and she has given us light. Bind the festal offering with ropes of branches up to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will give thanks to you. You are my God, I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Holy One, for she is good and her faithful love endures forever.
1: Uh, our scripture reading my goodness, continues uh, with the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 21. Now they had come near Jerusalem and reached Bethpage uh, on the Mount of Olives. And Jesus said to two disciples, saying to them, "'Go into the village before you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Release them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, just say this, "'The son of woman needs them, and they will send them immediately.'" This took place to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet, saying, "'Tell the daughter of Zion, look, your sovereign is coming to you, "'humble and mounted on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey.'" The disciples went and did just as Jesus instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put their cloaks on them, and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that were going before him and the one following were shouting, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Holy One. Hosanna in the highest. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was shook, asking, who is this? The crowds were saying, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. This is the word of the Lord. I'm sorry. I thought there was more. Um, did y'all also hesitate like I did with the shook? Like, they were shook. I just, I, I loved that. I really appreciated that. Um, so I want to start by telling y'all a story about uh, my friend Michelle. My friend Michelle was sitting right in front of me. Um which is not usually how this, this goes. Uh, Michelle was my roommate in grad school and she's visiting with us this week. Um, and I do have permission, she knows I'm gonna do this, so this is not like a total surprise. But we were traveling together in the Holy Land, so Israel and Palestine, a couple of years ago with school and we were walking around some kind of olive tree grove. I'm actually not even sure where, where we were at this point. But we um, just stumbled upon a donkey, <laughs> just just hanging out by himself, just chilling in the olive with the olive trees. And goodness, if y'all think that I get excited when I see a cat, you should see Michelle when she sees a donkey. You would have thought that this was a majestic unicorn. Jack, you can, you can hit the next slide. Um, there when, the eight, I mean, he was really cute. We had, we, I have a lot of pictures of her with this donkey. That was her selfie that she took with the donkey. When I was younger, this might, I don't know if I've expressed express this to all of y'all, so take this with what you will, but I, I was a horse girl. That's, I'm just gonna stop there, I'm just gonna stop there. And, but, but like a lot, of, a lot of people are horse girls, right? Not a lot of people are donkey girls. <laughs> Michelle is. But like, real, for real, the next, the next slide will give you proof of her first selfie with a donkey from a couple years ago and another selfie with a donkey from like a month ago. So this is, this is like a very real and present obsession that she has. So there, I mean, I imagine that there are a number of reasons why there aren't, you can, hit, you can hit, go back to the next slide, but I mean, those are cute donkeys, like I get it, I get it. But there are probably a number of reasons why there aren't a whole lot of donkey people. <laughs> for one, we don't really have, um, we don't really ride them or like ride them for sport like we do with horses, so that could be part of it. But unlike the horses that have right, power and prestige, particularly in the way that we connect them with royalty and things like that, donkeys are, are, are just kind of gross. I'm sorry. I mean, they're really cute. They're really cute. And I would be really happy to pet one. I would love it. But, but right, they're just kind of dirty. They're like smelly and short pack animals. And they're stubborn and noisy and not like regal and majestic. Right? Ancient military leaders did not ride a donkey into battle. So they're not, like, super exciting, unless you're Michelle. but Or, I mean, everyone else. I mean, they're really cute. I get it. I get it. But to see Jesus, the Messiah, enter Jerusalem on the back of a donkey is kind of a letdown. Though we recognize that that this kind of continued pattern of this upside-down realm of God that we talk about is is maybe part of this. In Matthew's Gospel, Jesus is lauded as the Messiah, which ancient Jews and, and modern Jews, too, believed to be a military hero. The prophets of the Hebrew Bible predicted a violent military overthrow by a messiah of the powers that be, which in the context of Jesus is the Roman Empire. So as Jesus is coming into Jerusalem during the the feast of Passover, this is supposed to be the occasion when God moves through the city and tears tyrants from their thrones in the powerful upheaval of the Roman systems that oppressed them. And a military leader, would enter Jerusalem boldly on the back of a warhorse, ready to overtake the city. But instead, God comes into Jerusalem on the back of a smelly, short little donkey. But the upside downness doesn't quite end here, right, in the story. Jesus enters the city given the prophetic title of sovereign, but subverts it as he walks into Jerusalem toward his execution by the state. He comes preaching words, not of triumph, but of peace and reconciliation, right? The story is just another flipping of the script from what is expected to what is unexpected. And a lot of loud confronting of the powers while knowing that the re- what the repercussions might be. But for someone who was born in this stable, maybe it, maybe it should have been a little more expected. I think that the impact of this image of Jesus coming into Jerusalem on a donkey can be hard for us to fully wrap our heads around not because we are unfamiliar with the story, but because we sit under the context of a Christian empire, because our Christianity consistently places Jesus on the powerful purebred stallion, reminiscent of the powers that oppress and dehumanize, instead of on the smelly, stubborn donkey, completing the picture of humble servanthood. We exist in a context in which the titles of Jesus as sovereign or king or lord have been used to abuse and control neglecting the context and means with which they were intended. We exist where the message of Jesus' comforts, conforms to, and aligns with the rich and the powerful instead of serving as liberation for the poor and oppressed. Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of God. The word Hosanna is derived from the words that mean help or save. And this proclamation loses some of its liberative meaning when the one receiving it is harming those who need the help is not aligned with the marginalized. Moreover, I think we remove some of its meaning when we assume that we alone as individuals are the ones asking for salvation. We forget that the crowd together asks to be saved. It is not one person alone who claims who Jesus is, who claims who Jesus is, who asks for salvation. It is a crowd, a community that risks transgressing religious acceptability to journey to Jerusalem with Jesus. Because if Jesus wandered into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey alone, no one would really care. But when he wanders into Jerusalem, stirring up a crowd, continuing to loudly proclaim his good news that exposes the masses to their situation, that disrupts the status quo, that is threatening. The context, too, of the psalm that we read tonight is that of a procession a procession of God's people into the temple, which would ultimately culminate at the altar where a sacrifice would have been given. So it maybe makes some sense that we read it tonight too as Jesus processes into Jerusalem an entry that will culminate in the cross. But we should also remember, like the waving of the palms, the psalms were also sung in community. And in the psalm of deliverance, salvation of one requires salvation for the community. One is never saved all by or for oneself, but with reference to or impact on others. The psalmist cries, help us, save us, echoed by one of the oldest liturgical refrains, God's faithful love endures forever. It is a cry to help us, all of us, because God is good and faithful. An invitation too that that digs into the unexpected transformation of being in God's upside down society where the last shall be first, and the meek shall inherit the earth, and as the psalm says, where the stone that the builders rejected becomes the chief cornerstone. An upside-down society reflects the way, is reflected in the way that Jesus did not come into Jerusalem wielding a sword, but carrying this message of peace and hope in his mouth, a message he invited his followers to carry on in the name of God together. Jesus' followers didn't have any formal authority to change their world, but when they gather together to protest the powers and principalities, there is power in that. There is power when common people oppose exclusionary practices and policies together. And this is what we are doing when we wave our palm branches today, which was quite fun. It was very fun to have a palm branch to wave, I will say that. We are remembering those who have made those sacrifices and made pilgrimage to march and condemn the systematically oppressive laws. We are joining in with the voices that are still crying, help, save me, as we collectively lean on God and one another to envision a world in which we can all love and thrive. We are calling one another to communal faith, courageous proclamation and action as we consider our shared identity as the church and community of faith. By the end of this week, our rebellious shouts of Hosanna will quickly turn to complicit shouts of crucify him. Oh, how easily we side again with the powers of the world. Oh, how much we will need these cries of Hosanna to be saved from our own failures to follow God, to be set free from the ease of privilege, to turn our world upside down to welcome God and God's people more abundantly into life. All of us who are accompanying Jesus through this week will find that the world can and will be turned upside down from power to peace from rejection rejection to resurrection. So may we join that way of life and respond together, give thanks to God, for God is good. God's love endures forever. Amen.